podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. I've had times when I've had patients coming in and all they've done was just talking for the 10, 15 minutes. And they're like, thank you for listening. Probably they've said no to the antidepressant I wanted to offer to them. They might have said no to referral for counseling, but they've left my room saying, thank you for listening. Sometimes people just want someone to listen to them. Sheer frustration that like, I haven't been fully healed and I'm still in recovery after this many years. But I also have then a lot of Christians who do talk to me about that, who are in the same situation. Um, and so I guess just kind of those reminders again that God can do the impossible and trying to trust in God as well. The Woman Alive podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman Alive podcast. I'm your host, Tola Dole Fisher, and today we will be discussing mental health. So at the beginning of the year, when it's cold and dark and the bright lights of Christmas are far behind us, it can feel as though there is little to look forward to. If you can relate to this temporary feeling of low mood, consider for a moment those who struggle with feelings like this and so much worse all year round. So mental health is a big topic, and we're talking about anything from depression to eating disorders to post-traumatic stress to anxiety or panic disorders. And while talking about feelings has become more acceptable in the public eye, at least, if you're a Christian, it can still feel slightly taboo to admit that you're struggling. All of the articles we discuss on the podcast are posted at womanalive.co.uk. And podcast listeners can get 50% off a full year subscription to Woman Alive magazine by going to womanalive.co.uk forward slash podcasts. For now, I'm going to introduce my guests. So thank you, uh, Hope, and thank you, Olushe, for coming on today. Um, Hope Virgo is a mental health activist. As a teenager, she was hospitalized with an eating disorder. And from that experience, she went on to become the founder of Hashtag Dump the Scales. Hope is the author of Stand Tall Little Girl and Hope Through Recovery. And she's also mother to a, how old's your son, Hope? Uh, 19 months now 19 months that's so cute Um, and for those of us who don't have children that's just almost two years because I feel like mothers do count in months don't they um to a certain age it's ridiculous I was thinking (laughs) the other day actually when I went to the park people always ask you like how old your baby and you know the exact month and then I was thinking like when does this stop like when when does it stop I don't know I feel like (laughs) I want it to stop now because it's just yeah (laughs) but (laughs) so 19 months old okay so almost two yeah, I should have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and Dr. Olushe Arikawe is a wife, mother and GP who specialises in women's health. And Olushe would like to see Christian institutions better equipped to cope with people who suffer with mental health conditions. And you can find more about her work at wordforher.com. That's wordforher.com. Um, Rachel definitely going to need to edit that out because I don't know what I was trying to say there. Welcome, Hope, and welcome, Olajayi, to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. 
Um, so just so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better and I can get you to know you a bit better, we're going to find out how Christian you really are by this uh, How Well Do You Know Your Bible quiz. So it's just a very short question and then a multiple choice answer. And I'm going to go to you one by one to find out what your answer is. So the question for this How Well Do You Know Your Bible quiz is... Jesus was fully human and experienced anxiety. We see what might be considered an example of this before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. So at that time, what did Jesus ask God to remove? Did he ask him, A, to remove this burden from me? B, remove this cup from me? Or C, remove this cross from me? So in the Garden of Gethsemane, did Jesus ask God to remove this burden from me, A, B, this cup from me, or C, remove this cross from me? And I'm going to ask Hope first what you think the answer is. <laughs> Not a trick question. Gonna, I know, and I was hoping you were going to come to me first, and then I feel like I'm going to justify my answer by saying that maybe translations are slightly <laughs> different. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm going to go with burden. Although, no, I'm not. I'm going to go with cup. I'm going to go with cup. Final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. Okay. Um, Olushe, what would your answer be? Is that... Okay. (laughs) Would you say A, remove this burden from me, B, remove this cup from me, or C, remove this cross from me? It's B, remove this cup from me. Very confident. Straight away, it's B. Yeah? Yes. (laughs) Okay. You're both... Correct. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 44, it says, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. So it wasn't. I think you are right, though, Hope. Sometimes the translation can, it can change. That's why that question is not as simple as it might sound. (laughs) But you are you both passed the Christian test, so we can continue with the podcast, knowing that you are fully <laughs> fledged Christians. Okay, so the question the conversation that we're having today is based on an article that Hope wrote for us, and the title of that article is or was It's Time to Start Having Some Uncomfortable Conversations About Mental Health. And Hope, if you wouldn't mind reading some of that out for for our listeners. Uh, yeah, sure. Um So firstly, mental health is such a buzz phrase currently, and yet it is still only talked about in certain ways. We're happy to talk about depression, anxiety, maybe occasionally addictions, but we don't talk about the harrowing reality, people's teeth decaying from purging, those people who can't get out of bed, people who don't wash, clean or tidy, people who live with so much shame around their behaviours that they slowly disappear. I could go on. But if Jesus tells us to love everyone... Surely we need to be creating a space where people affected by any mental illness can thrive no matter what. Thank you, Hope. And for those who don't know your work, can you tell us a bit about how you came to be a mental health campaigner and what that looks like for you? Um, Yeah, so I I lived with anorexia, um, kind of was diagnosed at the age of 17, but had lived with it since I was about 12. And when I kind of came through my recovery, kind of, I don't know, over a decade later, I kind of felt really frustrated with the system. I felt really annoyed and frustrated that people didn't understand the ins and outs of what it was like to live with an eating disorder. 
And I was really frustrated, actually, at the NHS much more broadly, because it was really difficult to get a diagnosis of an eating disorder. I relapsed during that kind of period after I'd come out of hospital and I couldn't get support on the NHS because I wasn't underweight. And I remember in that appointment just feeling at such a loss at what to do. But when I came through that relapse, the more I began to talk about my experience, I realized that I wasn't like this unique individual that this had happened to, but it happens to so many people on a day-to-day basis. And I actually began, um, it was quite random. I was doing a talk for the NSPCC on eating disorders. And in the audience, someone asked me, like, what are you going to do about the fact that people can't get treatment? And I kind of panicked and was like, oh, I'm going to start a campaign. I'm going to start talking about it a lot more. And in that moment, I then kind of left and was like, I need to do something on this. Um, so it basically began quite quickly like that. And I've been doing it now for about, I think, six six years or so. Um, and my, my weeks basically are spent working in schools all over the world, um, kind of talking a lot about eating disorders, exercise addiction, and then also kind of mental health issues much more broadly. Um, and then alongside that, I do a lot of work with the government um, and also with kind of certain parts of the NHS looking at predominantly eating disorders and exercise addiction, making sure the right funding's in place, um, making sure the right support is in place. Um, And at the moment, I'm doing a lot of work um, around eating disorders and palliative care and trying to push back on that as a kind of a solution for people who've been unwell, because I don't believe that people with eating disorders should be put onto palliative care. Um, And the thing I want to get across to everyone I speak to is that it's relentless having an eating disorder it's relentless being in recovery but people do get well and people can get well and I believe as Christians but also kind of as society generally we need to be providing that hope for people that recovery is possible I love that thanks so much Hope and um Dr Olashay you're a doctor with the NHS is that right you're a GP for NHS yeah so as a doctor and a Christian, what issues have you encountered when it comes to specifically Christians struggling with uh, mental health? Thank you, Doll. I think um, the first thing is that as a Christian, I think it's just the way people look at it. If you come out to say that you're having issues with your mental health, it's just feel that you don't feel supported and you feel Maybe you're not Christian enough. That's why you're having issues with your mental health. But we know that it there's a thin line. I mean, all of us, anyone, it's so easy for you to have issues with your mental health. There's such a thin line between you being okay and not being okay. But it's okay not to be okay, if you know what I mean. But as Christian, maybe because of the way we, the society make you feel or even the church make you feel if you... You, you just feel you don't want people to know that you're struggling. And so you're trying to hide. You're trying to act as if, as if everything is okay. And then that made it really worse because you don't feel you're being supported. And I think it's all got to do with the way the church makes you feel sometimes. And I've had instances of someone that I know who was struggling with their mental health for a very long time. And even if you try to reach out to help, she just seems to be quite defensive and just try to, you know, not actually want wanting anyone to help. And I actually find out that I think at the beginning, when she started with the issues of mental health, one of the leaders in just said to her, you need to just get on with it. I mean, why? Yeah, they actually said that to her, that just get on with it. You, 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 you'll be fine. I think she went for counseling and 
and she she didn't get the support so she, it made her feel as if there's something wrong with her maybe she's not strong enough she didn't pray enough but i think we need to come to a point when we need to move away from there that sometimes it, anyone everyone there are lots of reasons why people go through their mental health issues and it could happen to anyone at any time we just need to make sure that people get the support the right support that they need whether in church or outside of church wherever you are Thank you. I definitely um, know that even within my kind of friendship circles and family circles, this idea that Christians should be somehow immune to having mental health problems uh, still pervades, um, which is strange because apparently one in four people will experience a mental health problem of some kind. I think that's in the UK. And then I think one, according to the World Health Organization, one in eight people are living with a mental health disorder. So if mental health issues are increasing, why do Christians feel shame around this issue? I mean, there's no word for, and again, this is uh, down to translation. I guess people could argue there is a word or there's an expression for mental health in the Bible. Um, but the phrase do not fear comes up a, something between, between something like 300, 400 times. So what, is that is that the reason why Christians feel like they can't, accept help or even ask for help like your friend Dr Olashay like your friend didn't even didn't even want to be helped or even though you could see that she needed to be helped is this because of this idea that we shouldn't um um that there's something about if if you have a mental health issue and you articulate it that that's a fear that you're actually not being strong enough where is this idea that Christians shouldn't have any um, mental health health issues where's that coming from do we think I think I would probably say maybe a bit of ignorance as well. I think it's it's a bit of ignorance because we we generally have been made to believe that um, if a Christian, you don't have to go through anything. But that's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible talked about when you pass through waters, when you have difficult times. So it's not that you're not going to go through things, but we know from the Bible that even when you go through things, you know that there's a God there who is going to see you through what you go through. So I think it's just the ignorance of what the word of God says sometimes. And I know sometimes we're quick to say maybe the church leaders are not doing enough, but honestly, they can't give what they don't have. Maybe they don't even know. You know, it's what you know that you can actually provide help for. They they are not even aware of how to help or they're not even aware of what they can do to help. So I think it all comes down to ignorance because there's no there's no way in the Bible that says that you're going to have it all, everything's going to be okay. There will be times that you will go through difficult times, but all we know that it doesn't matter what you go through, God is going to be there with you and you're going to go through it and he's going to be there to strengthen you through it. So it's okay to have those issues, but you just need to know that there is help available for you. And even the word of God is there to encourage you that when you go through difficult times, God is going to be there to see you through the difficult times. Absolutely. And I do think that there is this Definitely, as you said, this idea that Christians won't go through the valley, even though it specifically says that there'll be valleys that we go through. Um, I think it's just understanding how we kind of work that out. So Hope, I know that you do, your work is in the mainstream. It's not, you know, necessarily in Christian environments. Do you feel yourself having to adapt some of how you present your material in a Christian space or in a church space compared to how you do um, in secular spaces? I probably should. No, <laughs> I don't think I do as much as I probably should. I think 
I think for me, particularly with eating disorders, it goes kind of, I guess it goes, it's not, yeah, I guess I don't think it's an excuse that people don't have the knowledge. I think we know statistically, as you said, there are such huge numbers of people struggling with mental health issues. We know statistically with eating disorders. Um, I think the most recent data um, in 2019 from the NHS showed that 16% of the adult population will present positively with an eating disorder at any one time, which when you look at a church environment, that is a huge population of your church will be struggling with these things. And so I think the church should just get on board and find a way to feel equipped to talk about this stuff much more. And I think, yes, a lot of people haven't maybe been through stuff, but I think particularly with things like eating disorders, we normalize so much of this unhealthy behaviors around food that it then adds to the stigma and shame that people face. And I know for me, so I um, became a Christian in 2019 um, and I was I did it through the Alpha course. And I remember every week going to the Alpha course and feeling so stressed and so anxious about the food. But that was like the big selling point to get people along to do Alpha. Like whatever church you go to, I'm sure it's the same. It's like, there's free food, there's free mm-hmm. food. But as someone who's in recovery from an eating disorder, I was terrified. And so... For me, I think there needs to be a wider education done on just really practical things that we can do to make church feel a much more inclusive space to all of these individuals and to make it seem much more welcoming. And I think what I found, I guess, from my experience is there are some groups of people who really want to talk about it and really want to get on board. But there's also groups of people who they find it really hard to. And I I don't know whether that's partly as well like a generational thing, um, perhaps that like eating disorders or addictions or other mental health issues weren't as prevalent when they were growing up. So they don't know how to talk about it, perhaps. But um, yeah, I think it does. And I, I yeah, going back to your original question, I, I do think that whilst I don't necessarily tailor my material, particularly to the church, I think it needs, there needs to be, yeah, I guess that's because I want to hold the church accountable to make it much more inclusive. And hopefully I do that. That does make sense. I mean, when I said it, I was thinking, we're assuming that the church is going to come from a defensive perspective but actually why assume that why not just assume you know that it's the same population as everyone else so let's just give them the same information we're giving the what the rest of the world um I think that's a good point as well that there are certain situations and things we do in church and kind of ceremonies and things we do in church like eating together uh, and it, we don't realize how that will that could affect individuals specifically who have uh, of experience or, or going through eating disorders. And you've written some really helpful stuff, Hope, about things like eating disorders and how to help people going through that at Christmas, going on holiday, and you know all sorts of things that women are alive. Um, so when you've written for us, I think that has been helpful for readers who may not have had that experience themselves but may have children or partners of children that are going through it or friends or friends of friends or family members. So it's something that, that the whole church should get involved in and should care about, um, even if they're not going through it specifically. Um, Olushay, I know that you're really passionate about equipping church um, leadership with the tools to be able to help people in the congregation who experience mental health issues. What are some of the ways that you're doing that or hope to do that? Yeah, I was just going to say, one one other point I hope mentioned about that she didn't she she was she would just give the same information whether she's in church or outside of church, and I think that's actually where we need to focus on as well. Um, 
because sometimes when we look at church, we think, okay, we just need to talk about what's in the Bible, what does the Bible say about this, but we, it's also important that we give the right information. And I think we should come to a point in churches when we would do maybe workshops. Mm-hmm. I mean, hope you were talking about you started your journey when you were at the age of 12. Is that correct? So we're yeah. looking at we're looking at children's worker in church. You know, that means somebody in Sunday school at the age of 12 or 13, they're struggling. And it might just be the place where they need to get the support that they need. Sadly, we've had young people, I mean, quite young people attempting suicide or committing suicide. Such a young person might have been in the children's church at some point and there might be a children's worker there. So I think what we can do is for churches and for youth workers and for pastors and people in ministries, being given the right kind of support, being given the right kind of knowledge and tools to be able to help. I think churches can start to do workshops on mental health or how do you recognize a child that is going through mental health? How do you know if a child in your Sunday school or in you or your one of your youths that you're looking after is having troubles or difficulties and maybe they couldn't open up at home? Maybe they can open up to you when they come to church. So I think it's just maybe open up the conversations where I know, yes, we go to church to study the word of God, to listen to messages, but we could have programs, we could have workshops. Definitely in my church, we do have times when we do like health programs. When we do our women's, we, we have an annual women's conference and part of that conference we involved doing something on health. It could be physical health, it could be mental health, you know. So I think we need to be doing that a bit more so that we have times when we are actually equipping church members and leaders, just opening up the conversation. There might be somebody in that congregation as well that feel really, they feel, okay, the church is trying to do something. They will be able to open up. They will feel encouraged. So I think it's just making active steps in making sure that we open up this conversation and so that we can help someone that is going through difficult times with their mental health. And what are some of the things that we can do or that people, listeners can do if they know someone who is struggling with mental health issues? And I know that's such a wide thing to say that covers lots of different things, but are there some practical things that can relate to certain conditions that you, both of you can can suggest that can help people support those in their lives that are suffering? Yeah, it's so widespread, like you said, there's so much because mental health is so huge. There are lots of different things, lots of different issues. But I think sometimes just knowing that somebody is there, we can listen. You know, listen. Listening, yeah. 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 If you can just, they just know that you're there to listen to what they have to say. Sometimes people just need to talk. I've had times when I've had patients coming in and all they've done was just talking for the 10, 15 minutes, mm. and they're like, thank you for listening. I mean, they've probably they've said no to the antidepressant I wanted to offer to them. They might have said no to referral for counseling, but they've left my room saying, thank you for listening. Sometimes people just want someone to listen to them. And, and- it's not one cup fits all. You can't, you know, for some people, what they would want may be different to someone else. So it's so difficult to be able to say that, okay, you have to do A, B, C, D for someone that's going through mental health issues because we're all very different and needs are different. But I think everyone, everyone really would love to be listened to. Just giving that listening here to someone, we go a long way. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, um, I think if you, when you do have someone who feels like they can open up to you, I do always think like reaching out to them, maybe like, a week or so later 
just kind of checking in with them again and offering them that lifeline. I think that the only way that people heal fully is by bringing all of these conversations out into the light and trying to find a way to normalize them and giving people that space. And I think within that, like really practically for me, for someone who, I guess from like an eating disorder perspective, it's asking that individual, what can we do to support them? So for example, you might invite them around to your house, but don't doing it over a meal time to offer that support in that way. Or if they come to the alpha course, you might say to them, do you know what, do you want me to message you and let you know what is on the menu before you come past in the evening? And actually, um, and the person, Jemima, who rang, who run the group I was in, did that for me. And it was really helpful at just alleviating some of that anxiety. Um, and I think if you have those practical conversations with people, people will have other thoughts on what works for them. But the more we talk about it and the more we bring it out, the easier it gets. And I do think like on top of that, whilst we have to at points wait for people to come and share what's going on for them, we need to have more of these direct and difficult conversations with people. Like if you're worried about someone, like try and have that conversation with them. Don't assume you know what's going on. Don't assume you know what might have caused it. But trying to kind of give them the space to talk about it can also, again, kind of be that lifeline that individual needs. And I think for me, that's something that I really notice, particularly in the work I do in schools, like encouraging young people to talk about what's going on for them. And what I always hear when I've kind of leave these sessions is kids might start to open up a little bit with their peers and then it kind of escalates and then they've got like a much more supportive community around them just by one person feeling like they can do that. Um, but I think to kind of, yeah, I guess within all of that, when you do have someone who does open up to you, it's also then really important that you don't just look at that person and see the mental health issue, but you kind of see the person within that as well. And I think, I know for me, but for others as well, like your whole identity can become wrapped up in mental illness. And that's not what it's supposed to be like. Uh, I, I really think that you've both given some really important points there because what I keep hearing is the importance of talking and listening and, and actually really hearing people and I think that's something what a, a place where the church can be really helpful because that is something that we giving space for each other to hear each other is something we do quite naturally I think as Christians because we spend a lot of time in communication in kind of fellowship and that I I think doesn't sound as um as maybe it's difficult for a church group or wouldn't sound as difficult as setting up something specific that might they might they might feel that is out of their comfort zone actually just giving space for people to talk and being there to listen sounds a lot more um organic in terms of how that conversation will be so I think those are really good points to to kind of to help get people in the right thinking space for how they can support their communities churches families and friends um, as we are Christians, though, to wrap this all up, I do want to ask if there are specific scriptures that you return to again and again that you find really helpful, um, either that you give to help people who are struggling with mental health issues or that you've used yourself in the past, um, Hope and Olusie. Are there any scriptures that you kind of draw upon that really help you in difficult times that you can share with with the listeners? Uh, yeah, I guess for me, a couple. So um, I guess from a like an identity and kind of body perspective I always go back to Psalm 139 um and yeah have well I actually got into a really good a good place of like 
saying all these affirmations over myself from the Bible, including the ones there, which really helped. Um, yeah. I'm not so good at that anymore. <laughs> I probably now feel like I need to start doing it again. Um, but I always find that really helpful. Um, I don't know what the scripture is, but recently um, I've been looking at the Valley of Baca um, and looking at that as a kind of time of blessing and also kind of that reminder, I think you touched on it already, but kind of with that, the reminder that actually people do go through hard times and sometimes life can feel really, really challenging, but kind of, I guess, reading that scripture, but also looking at that as a bigger picture thing of actually there's a way out and that's okay to kind of, yeah, I guess, keep your kind of eyes set like that as well. Um, and then um, a big one for me as well is just knowing that God can do the impossible. And I think something that I come back to from my own experience, but also when I talk to a lot of people, is that kind of sheer frustration that, like, I haven't been fully healed and I'm still in recovery after this many years. And I, it's something that I have to battle with. And at times it really gets to me. But I also have then a lot of Christians who do talk to me about that, who are in the same situation. Um, and so I guess just kind of those reminders, again, that God can do the impossible and trying to trust in God as well. Thanks, Hope. And I've just, just to um, go back to the scripture that you mentioned, was it Psalm 139? Yeah. So I think the, um, the section I think most people might recognize it from that is um, from verse 13, where it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Is that the section that you meant? Yeah. Hope, yeah. Okay. Um, and then in Psalm 84, you mentioned the Valley of Baca, and in Psalm 84, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. But there's something I do, which has become like a hobby, which is just getting scriptures together, you know, on issues of life. You know, maybe scriptures to read when you are, you know, da, da, da. And on my website, I've had, what I've done is just to make it easier for people, free download of so many difficult or issues that you're going through, scriptures to read when you're going, when you're feeling down or when you're feeling depressed, that you could, you know, rather than going to search through your Bible when you're going through those difficult times, you printed it out nicely in a colorful paper that you can put somewhere near your bed or near your wherever you want to quickly run through there. But personally for me, there's one scripture that I always go back to that will always help me through. Um, Romans 8.28 says, All things will work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Life is full of ups and downs. And no matter how strong you are, even if you haven't had issues with eating disorder before, we all have issues. As women, we all go through difficult situations in our life. And I don't think there's anyone that would say they're immune from issues. There are things that will trouble you. But I think we all need to come to a place when we know where to go to when things are not going right for us. And Yes, the word of God can be quite encouraging. I love Romans 8.28 because it, I always have that reassurance that it doesn't matter what I'm going through right now, that all things will eventually work together for my good. And that sort of gives me a kind of reassurance that even if things are not working well for me now, I have this kind of hope for the future, which is very important. We all need to hold on to hope. I like your name and everything you're saying, Hope, is <laughs> like giving hope to people. You know, I think, like I say that, when it comes to mental health issues, all you need to do is to hold on to hope. I think when you lose hope, then you've lost everything. 
And we know the Bible says that hope does not make us shame. So we need to hold on to hope. And that's what we get in the word of God. So I just have this hope that things would eventually work for my good. If only I can just hold on. I know in the final analysis, it's going to work out for my good. That's beautiful. Thank you both so much for um, your to the conversation today and for um, being really open about your um, the work that you do and your experiences. Um, Olusha, you mentioned that people can download the scriptures from your website. So can you just remind us what the website is? Uh, it's com. Okay, great. So wordforher.com. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, so now getting to the uh, second segment or the last segment of the episode of the pod of this podcast, and this is where we answer a reader question on sex and relationships. And just like mental health, we know that sex and relationships are things that the church has traditionally found quite tricky to tackle or to have to talk about from the pulpit or even just amongst the congregation. So, at Women Alive, we make a real effort to open up to um, the kind of conversation for our readers to, to say what they really are thinking, to ask questions and to have an open discussion. So this section, this segment is called Great Sexpectations. And the question that we'll be discussing today from a reader is about the morning after pill. So the question is, I took the morning after pill and now I feel so ashamed. What should I do? And I'm just going to read out the email that came through to us dear woman alive i've been with my boyfriend for a few months now and we did agree that we would try not to have sex before marriage we found the temptation too much and a few times we have had sex and once we did it without any protection i don't know if i could have been pregnant it was too early to take a test but i knew i wasn't in the place to have a baby So I went and took the morning after pill. I feel so guilty, like I might have taken a life. And now I don't know what to do. So this is coming from Redick. And the main bulk of the question is, I took the morning after pill and now I feel so ashamed. What should I do? I don't know if any of you want to start first with uh, trying to help this reader. I think... Yeah, I'm I'm going to come at it probably from more an emotional support basis than a Christian support place. Um, but I I guess I can relate to some of that. And I think it's it can feel so overbearing and you can com- feel completely yeah overwhelmed with those emotions around things like that. Um, and I think I I guess I'd kind of break it into two parts. I think firstly, the part about the morning after pill and then the second part about having sex um because i think there's probably two parts potentially Mm. to how the person might be feeling um both parts i think you need to find a way to find someone to talk to about it um and to unpack what again might be going on for you and creating that safe space to do that i think with the sex part i think if you if you feel comfortable doing that with your boyfriend perhaps again kind of having that honest conversation with him about what's going through your head about that um and then I think with the morning after pill, again, seeking that additional support. Um, and I found for me, when I kind of do things that I regret or that have a lot of emotion around them, I actually journal quite a lot. And I try and just journal every single thing down 
because I find that much easier than kind of talking about it um, to God or to other people as well. Um, so I guess just creating that space, but yeah, trying not to beat yourself up over it. Like we all, we all do things in life that we probably all regret um, doing and it's not going to be held over us by God. It's not going to be held over us by anyone else. So trying to find a way to kind of let go with that. Um, and I make it sound really, really easy. And I think things like this are really painful processes and they can take a really long time. So not rushing that kind of process as well. Thanks, Hope. Thank you, Hope. Um, yes, I think there are two, two ways to look at this. Um, the morning after pill, I could talk about that from my, if I put on my medical hat, I could say, yes, um, this is something as a GP, as a doctor, you recommend to someone who has had unprotected sexual intercourse and they're trying to avoid pregnancy. And medically, yes, a doctor, a GP would offer you a morning after pill, which it doesn't work 100% of the time. You could still get pregnant if you've taken a morning after pill, but this is something that will be offered so that if you do not want to get pregnant after you've had sex, that will be offered to you. And then hopefully you will not get pregnant, but we usually advise that you still need to go on and get checked just in case. So I could, reading the whole email, I think it's coming from a place of guilt, this lady, and my heart goes out to this person. And like Hope said, we've all have done one thing that we are not really, you know, that maybe we feel ashamed about. And I think whatever we've done, there's no category to it. It's not that one is higher than one. I mean, we all have done things. You, you may feel, oh, I haven't done that, but you've done other things. And I think I would just want to say to this person, um, Romans 8.1, that says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I think sometimes when we've done things that we're not really, that we don't want to do, then we feel condemned. And then it goes on and it spirals on. And that's when we then end up having issues. And we talked about mental health earlier on. So Yes, it may not be as easy as that. I know Hope has given some practical things that you can do, like talking to someone about it and having honest conversation. And I'm not trying to be over spiritual. Sometimes we do struggle with certain things. And I believe in the power of actually receiving strength because there are times that you just find yourself going over into the same thing again and again. And you may just need a little bit of strength by asking the Lord to strengthen you. And that's what you will do. Lord, honestly, I'm, I'm struggling with this area of my life. I need help. But I think the important thing is not to allow that to make us feel condemned. And because condemnation is something that I believe can actually take us down the path and the route of becoming, you know, having issues with our mental health because we just feel so condemned, we feel so ashamed. It's just to rise up from that place wherever it is, and it may not it may not sound as easy as that, but we need to rise up from there. Remember that God still loves us, and He wants us to move on from where we are. And He says there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Once we move on from where we are, move on to you know just receive strength and ask Him for strength, ask for grace. Sometimes we need to ask God to give us strength and ask Him to give us the grace to do that which we need to do, no matter how difficult that might seem. Thank you both so much for taking part in today's conversation and for your real wisdom for this last question at the end. However you are listening to the podcast, please make sure you save, share and subscribe. Remember, all the articles we discuss on the podcast are posted at womanalive.co.uk. That's womanalive.co.uk. Podcast listeners can get 50% off a full year subscription to Woman Alive magazine 
by heading over to womanalive.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Join me next time where I'll be speaking with more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.